Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 9th of March 2014, entitled The Hand of the Lord, and the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Isaiah chapter 59, I started to say that I started to promise, but I probably should say instead of I promise, I plan to be short this evening. I plan just to be encouraging this evening. Uh, a very, very simple thought, nothing, no theological depth as if I could go there anyway, but uh, just a simple thought to remind us of some things about the hand of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 59, if you'd like to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word, we find this beginning in Isaiah 59 in verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Father, we do thank you again this evening, Lord, for the privilege, the opportunity, the freedom that we have to be gathered in your house this evening. Thank you again for your word that we have before us. Thank you for your spirit that we have within us. Now, we pray over these next moments as we look into your word. We do pray, Lord, that you would undertake, that you would use your servant, the Lord, that you would bring forth the words that you would have spoken here this evening, and Lord, that we would be receptive to that which you have for us. And we will give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. The prophet Isaiah said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. If there's a problem, it's not with God's hearing and it's not with God reaching you. He says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Very important. We think about the fact that if we're having trouble, getting through to the Lord. If we feel like, you know, have, have, you, ever, have you ever used a statement maybe sometime that uh, until somebody that, uh, that you need a hand with something? Uh, well, you know, when you tell them that you need a hand, you're not figuratively talking about them cutting off their hand and giving it to you, uh, that you can physically have their hand. Uh, by the same token, if you've ever offered to somebody, well, I'll come over and I'll, I'll give you a hand uh, doing such and such, uh, you're not figuratively talking about sawing off your hand and giving it to them, but you're talking figuratively about being there to be the help to do what needs to be done. And so we find here that when we begin to think of the Lord's hand, you know, we can think of it literally if we want to, but thinking of it figuratively, we find it's used in so many ways and what I believe that the prophet is really trying to say to us here is, you know, when you need help, whatever the problem, God's hand is never so short. It's never a problem with God reaching you wherever you are. Whatever the problem is, we find that he says his hand is never too short to save you. His ears are never too heavy to hear you. But, he says, your iniquities have separated between you and God. There's something between you. And of course, it's that, that old sin problem. First of all, for a lost person, we find that it's sin that separates them from their creator, God the Father. 
And that sin has to be dealt with. And of course, we know that the only way that sin can be dealt with is through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't do anything to get rid of it. But Jesus did it all when he died on Calvary. What I want us to think of is that if God's hand is never too short, that he's always there, whatever it is. What are we talking about when we think about the hand of the Lord? Well, I picked out just a few verses to share with you this evening. And the first one is in Psalm 102 and verse 25. Psalm 102, verse 25. And the psalmist says here, he says, of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. As of old, he said. Lord, you, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens themselves are the work of thy hands. Your Bible is one of those that sometimes has little titles over it. Many of them above this psalm would be the prayer of the afflicted. Uh, we find that it's a prayer of one that is, that is afflicted, that is facing difficulties, that is being challenged, and is being reminded here that the hand of God is the one that made everything that is. When we talk about God's hand not being too short, I don't need to tell you this evening that, of course, we live in a day when the vast majority of society out there would think that we either came from a cosmic bowl of soup millions and billions of years ago or some big bang of an explosion that we just all happened to fall into place after that. The truth is, is that we're talking about the hand that's not too shortened to save you. The hand that's not too shortened to be there when you need it. We're talking about the hand that created everything that exists. Now, again, I believe the Bible is speaking figuratively here of the hand of God that made it because we know that the Bible tells us clearly that literally God said, and it was. God didn't have to take his hands and, and literally form it. All had, God had to do was to speak it. But the thing is, it was God. It was his work that created everything that exists. The same prophet Isaiah he tells us in Isaiah 64, 8, he says, But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay. Thou art the potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. You see, again, it wasn't just something that was haphazard with God. I can look around and I can look at each and every one of you sitting here this evening. First of all, I can look at your faces, and each one of you are unique. There's not a one of you. There's no identical twins out there. There's not any two people that look exactly the same. Thank God you all don't have my physique. <laughs> we can look, and we can tell a difference. Some of us are big, some of us are small, and some of us are in between. But we're all very unique. You see, the same hand of God that created everything that exists, I I find it absolutely mind-boggling. People look at me and say, you really believe that junk in, 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 in literal creation, that God literally created everything that is in, in six days and rested on the seventh? Yes, for my God, that's nothing. What about trying to believe? When we look at the intricacy of, 
of any one little item, some of the things that we have come up with. We, we talk often about technology, and I said, you know, it's absolutely mind-boggling because it seems like the older we get, the farther down this path we go, the faster things move. It's amazing. But yet, to stop and try to come, none of those things, man's greatest sciences, man's greatest inventions, man's greatest technologies are nothing in comparison. He can't create one human being, one body that works from nothing. He can take life and he can maybe bring other life from it. But man can't create life from nothing as our God did. You say God not only created everything out there that exists that is, but the Bible says he's the potter and we're the clay. He individually made you what you are. And he's the same one that when we give our lives to him, if we give ourselves to him, he will make us into what we need to be. We can never make ourselves what we need to be in order to stand before a holy God. But God can make us what we need to be. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, Thou madest him, Jesus it is, a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of thy hands. In other words, God was made into a human being. God was sent to this earth in human flesh to accomplish that work for us. The same God that created him and, and brought him here, crowned him with glory and honor and set him over all the works of his hands. Oh, we could look at many things there. God, in all of his triunity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were right there in Genesis 1, right from the beginning. All of God, you can't separate him and take part of him and leave the other part beside. But we find that the Bible this evening, I want to encourage you that, you know, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it can't save you. His ear is not too heavy that he can't hear you. If there's a problem getting through, the problem is on our part. It's not because of a lack of ability. We're talking about the hand of the God that created and holds together everything that it is. But not only that, as we think about that hand, another passage we find in Psalm 95 and verse 4 that speaks to the hand of our Lord. He says here, he says, in his hand, are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hill is his also. In the deep places of the earth. In other words, from the deepest to the highest, from the valley to the mountain, it's all in his hands. C.H. Spurgeon said concerning this passage, he said, far down where the miners sink their shafts, Deeper yet where lie the secret oceans by which springs are fed, and deepest of all the unknown abyss where rage and flame the huge central fires of the earth. There Jehovah's power is felt. You see, the hand of God that can't be shortened, that it can't save you. It's not only the hand that is responsible for creating everything that exists, but everything, everything that is from the deepest to the highest. You see, if I take something 
And if I put it in my hand, I wish we had a little kid here because Tibby might be too strong for me. I'm not sure. But, you know, Tibby, if I, if, if I said, oh, dear. If I, if I said, that's a one-pound coin right there. If you take it, it's yours. Take it. You got to get it. <laughs> you know, it's yours. <laughs> the truth is, is that unless he's stronger than me, which I hope he's not, <laughs> he's not going to get it out of my hand. I am in control of that coin because I hold it in my hand. But there's something else too. That hand, that coin can't get away from my hand. It's totally surrounded. You see, the thing is, I guess I try to think, how can you explain? We see the hand of creation. That's pretty easy to say. But the hand of, well, number one, to have total, complete control. That's what we talk about when we talk about the sovereignty of God. Nobody, nothing is more powerful, is more stronger. God is God, and God can do anything that God wants to do. But it's not just the sovereignty. It's that theological term that we call omniscience and omnipotence. He knows everything. He's everywhere. You see, he's saying here that right from the, from the deepest abyss to the highest hill, the truth is it's all in God's hand. He's in control of it. And he's in all those places at the same time. It's all in his hand. You see, God's hand is not so shortened that it can't save you because we're talking about the hand that created and made all that exists, that made you unique as the individual that you are, the God of creation, the God of sovereign omnipresence that is everywhere, that it's all in his control. Sometimes we think we've got control, but only if God allows it. Because he, if you need a pound, I'll give you one, Tibby, later, okay? <laughs> he was trying pretty hard to get that out of my hand there. <laughs> you can tell students they're hungry, amen. The hand of God that's not shortened that it cannot save you. The hand of creation, the hand of sovereignty and omnipresence. But I want you to notice what this same prophet says in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 2. Something else to be reminded of. He asked a question. He says, wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? God says, is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh because there is no water and dieth for thirst. God says, who are you kidding? Do you think that it's possible that my hand is possibly shortened, that it can't redeem you, that it can't deliver you from whatever you need delivering from? God says, I control it all. You see, we're talking about the hand of deliverance. How many times has God delivered us? I mean, okay, the most obvious is if you're a child of God and you look back to that day when God delivered you from your sin, there's no greater deliverance in all the world. But I'm convinced, 
I'm convinced that we will never know until we get to heaven. How many times that God has delivered us when we didn't know anything about it? I can look back at times in my life when I know that there is no earthly explanation. You see, just as an illustration, some people would say it was just a coincidence. Some people would say that, you know, that it just happened to happen that way. But I can remember within, literally it was within the first year that I had arrived in this country. And yes, I was still getting used to your motorway systems and all these different things, but I was en route with my family and I know that, uh, yeah, time has flown, but they were all. There was only five at that time. The sixth one wasn't there. And they were all small. And, yeah, it's been a while. They didn't have all these seatbelt requirements and all these things. And we had one. It was one of these old rovers that, you know, and, and all five of them stretched across the back seat, you know. And, and we were just heading up the motorway, pretty as you please, heading up to Stoke-on-Trent to a, to a youth rally. And I'm coming down, you know, the, the motorway literally right over here at the Walsall exit. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, things happen so quick. And it wasn't, wasn't bad weather then, but it had been raining. And the, the roads were still just that little bit slippery and damp. And I remember that I had the directions to the church because the pastor that was pastoring there at Stoke in that time, I'd met him and I knew him. And some of you would know his name if I called his name, but that's not important. But he was hosting a youth rally and we were going there. And, and I had the directions written down and on a piece of paper and it was just uh, uh, laying there in the console of the car. And I remember I literally, I just took my eyes off the road long enough to reach down and to grab that piece of paper that had the directions on it and look back up. And it was like, you know, when suddenly things start happening and you're trying to get this all, I, I was in the fast lane of the motorway and I was literally running around 70, 75 miles per hour down through there like a, a good boy does. And, but I realized something. You know, I, I noticed this, this car in the fast lane doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And before I realized what was even happening, I realized that car was sitting dead still in the fast lane. He wasn't going anywhere. And there was lots and lots of traffic out here, and I had nowhere to go. As soon as I tapped my brakes, it was just like that I hit a sheet of ice, and I think I got faster instead of slower. And we hit that car in the back so hard that the lady that was the passenger of that car, and it was a new car, she was in the back seat because it ripped the seat out and threw it into the back. To this day, I mean, my wife and I were in there, and for weeks after that, my wife had this really black purple stripe where the seat belt was, was down across her. Everything was pushed back into us. We were locked in, and you're sitting there in this eeriness and this quietness, but the thing that I remembered the most was as soon as I saw it was going to hit, my greatest fear, it was like not my life, but my kids' lives were flashing before my face. And, and I remember just out of instinct as a dad, I guess I remember throwing my arm up as if that was going to do any good. And, and as we hit that car, my oldest son happened to be the one sitting in the middle, and he come forth with the force like I couldn't even explain, as if my arm was going to stop it when you suddenly go from 70 miles per hour to nothing that quick. And I can, I can still remember, he come through there with a force that just threw me out of the way, and he hit that, hit, that windscreen that there is absolutely... There is no logical explanation why he didn't go through that windscreen and end up out in the middle of that road. But when he hit that windscreen, it was just like he just stopped and he came back. And I don't care what anybody says. 
if that wasn't the hand of God that stopped that boy from going through that windscreen, I don't know what else it could have possibly been. There was no logical explanation for that to happen and it to end like it is. And there were some other minor injuries, but in the end, you know, we all got out. We spent a few hours at the hospital with everybody being checked out, and there were no serious injuries. And, and yet, both of these cars, there was hardly anything left of them. You know, I know people can credit it to whatever they want to, but the hand of the Lord delivered us that day. He delivered all of us. Boy, he especially delivered Gavin that day because there was absolutely, there's nothing. It doesn't make a bit more sense than anything. It doesn't make any sense that he just, he hit that with the force that he did. That whole windscreen splattered, but he just came back and, and back into his seat. But I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that you'll never know the number of times that maybe God suddenly gave you the urge to have to make a pit stop along the way to avoid that accident that maybe would have been five minutes up the road. The time that God brings things into your life to take you on a different path, you think, you know, I don't know. There's, there's one thing that just absolutely, Gareth, sorry about this. One thing that really bugs me is if I'm running late to get anywhere. <laughs> we kid Gareth about that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's like, but you know, God gives you patience. When you got a wife and two daughters, he has to give you lots of patience when you're, when you want to be on time. <laughs> the guys, man, they can, it doesn't matter. You know, they just throw anything together and be out the door in two minutes. But the thing is, is that it bugs me to no end. If I'm supposed to be somewhere at a certain time and something is holding me back, I'm convinced when I get to heaven one day, God will say, yeah, not only was I teaching you patience, but if you'd got out of there when you were supposed to, instead of 10 minutes later or 15 minutes later, this is what would have happened. We're talking about the hand of God. The hand of God that is not shortened, that it can't save you. The God that his ear is not heavy, that it can't hear you. If there's a problem, it's with us. We've got to grasp and understand this hand that's not too shortened. It is the God of creation, the God that, that created everything that is, the God that, that is like the, the potter, you're the clay that made you, that unique individual that you are, the God that is the hand of omnipresence, sovereignty, that is everywhere always in control. Nothing is out of his hand from the, from the deepest pit to the highest mountain. It's in his control. He's the one that's got it. The God that his hand is not too shortened is the hand of deliverance. He says, do you really believe that my hand is shortened at all, that it, that it can't redeem you, that I had no power to deliver? Do you really believe that? And he goes on to say, huh. I mean, you know, I could just dry up the seas. I can dry up those riverbeds and the fish will just rotten and stink in their place. That's what he says. He says, that's the God you're talking about. Do you honestly think that there's a time that you need delivering that I won't be there? And of course, I said, that, you know, one of the greatest deliverances of all, and this first came to mind in Psalm, Psalm 40, Verses 1 and 2, which says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also 
out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. The greatest deliverance of all when we were in those miry clays of sin. And God, he's the one that reached down, that lifted us up, that took us out and set us on solid ground. That solid rock, which is Jesus, which is never going any, anywhere. God's hand, the one that's not too short and to save you, to be there for you, the God of creation, the hand of creation, the hand of sovereignty and omnipresence, the hand of deliverance. Notice what he says in Psalm 104, verse 28. He says that, that thou givest them, they gather. He said, thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. Do you know that it's impossible for God to do something that's bad for you? He <laughs> says, you know, he opens his hand and is filled with good. It's impossible. Now, we'll look at some things. We'll be reminded of something else here in just a second. God can allow some things sometimes. What you've got to understand is God never, ever, ever, it's impossible for God to do something to hurt you that will be worse for you. We find that he said in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply how much? All your what? Need. According to how good you are, how bad, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we've got Jesus Christ, I mean, God says, we're talking about the hand of provision. We all have surely been at those points at some time when we felt like our need was the greatest need in all the world. It might be a physical need. It might be an emotional need. It might be a spiritual need. It might be a financial need. But we felt like, you know, it's the greatest. Well, I'm asking you again, as the prophet did, <laughs> Do you honestly believe that God's hand is too short to provide for you? Do you honestly believe when he has promised you that in Christ Jesus, if you belong to him, if you're a child of God, and if you're out there and you don't have Jesus and you've never been born again, then I might be worried because some of those provisions might get pretty desperate. But in Christ Jesus, if you'll give your life to him, if you'll trust him in Christ Jesus, he's promised that all your needs will be met. Not most, not 99.99999% all your needs. According to his riches and glory, not according to even all the riches of this world, but according to his riches that owns everything that is in Christ Jesus Oh, I just want to remind you this evening. I know. I know. You can't have lived very long. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure what planet you'd have to be from to have not experienced a point of need in your life when you genuinely needed something to be provided. If it wasn't finances and emotionally, spiritually, physically, but I'm saying that 
We're talking about the hand that's never too short, the ear that's never too heavy. If there's a problem, it's our sin. It's not God. It's impossible for his hand to be too short. We find that he is the hand that provides. The psalmist said in Psalm 78, 16, says, he brought the streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. You see, God's people, God's people, because of a lack of faith, because of a lack of faith, because they didn't believe him, because they didn't take his promises for what they were, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of unbelief. The Bible says that, not me. But you know, that even when they were out there in the wilderness for those 40 years, their shoe leather didn't even wear out. <laughs> he fed them every day with manna from heaven. The psalmist is talking about here the waters that he made for them. God gave them everything that they needed, even when they were being chastened, even when they were going through something that they had to go through because of their own unbelief. Now, that wasn't something that he was, well, I'm going to get you for what you did. <laughs> no, God, out of love, God was teaching them. God was correcting them because we find that not only is he the God of provision, <laughs> but this hand that's never shortened, it is the hand of correction also. You know, <laughs> The Bible's pretty plain. And the Bible tells us very clearly that if he doesn't chasten us, then we're not his. We don't belong to him. He's not our father because it's impossible for God to see us doing something that's going to bring harm to us and him not correct us. Job. Boy, we've all learned a lot from Job at different times. In Job 19, 21, Job said, have pity upon me. Have pity upon me, O ye my friends, for the hand of God hath touched me. You see, it's ironic as I look back. Now, all of Job's friends were trying to tell him, Man, you messed up. God is getting you. You know you did something wrong. Where we know that in actual fact... He was the most righteous of all men that were living at the time. There was no human being that was more right than he was at that time. And he was the wealthiest. So man, on, on the one hand, he was right with God and, and he had the blessings of all the wealth of this world. And we know that God allowed Satan to do what he did to Job. And yes, Job lost everything. He lost all of his worldly wealth. He lost his health, lost his wife, lost his children. Job lost everything. Job cursed the day that he'd ever been born. He went from the highest to the very lowest like that. And yes, everybody was saying, man, you messed up. 
God is getting even with you. But in actual fact, in the end, God blessed him with more than he had ever had before. Why do you think that Job went through what he went through? Why do you think somebody that was so blessed and and was so godly in his living and everything, why did he have to go to the bottom like he did? Well, I won't begin to give you all the reasons, but I can tell you one reason. That was for me. (laughs) How many lives has Job's life touched in all these years? Have you considered my servant Job? The devil's the one that did it, but only because God allowed it. And I, you know, again, Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Even the bad things, they all work together for good. God, the hand that is not too shortened for you, It's the hand that will work all things together for your good. And I give you this in closing. You see, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. I just really wanted to encourage you this evening that the hand of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save you. His ears are not heavy that he cannot hear you. It is our iniquities that have separated us from God. If there's a problem, it's on our part. It's never, ever, ever a lacking of God. And if there's sin that has separated us from God, God has given us the means to deal with that. We don't need to be separated. We don't need for our prayers not to be getting through. We don't need not to know that he's there. Because in Jesus Christ, All those iniquities that separate you, they're done away with in the blood. He tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden. Is light. You see, there's never a question. International. There's a whole lot of languages in this world. There's a whole lot of ways to say different things. But you know, there's some things that you don't have to go to sign language to learn. And I don't care what language you speak in the world if I stick my hands out. They go like that. <laughs> Come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That hand that's not too shortened, it's the same hand of invitation that invites each and every one of us to come unto him. Not to carry those things ourselves, not to allow those things to get us down. God is there. His hand is never shortened. His ears are never dull of hearing. He's always there. His hand, 
the hand that created everything that exists, that holds it in the place, the hand that created you, the unique individual, you're the clay, he's the potter, you are who you are, because God made you that way, the hand that literally reaches to the lowest depths, to the highest hills, the hands that holds it all in his hands. I can remember, I don't know, I come from another part of the world. <laughs> you can tell that sometimes I know by the way I speak, but we used to sing a song when I was a kid. And it simply was something that we, the verses could just go on and on and on and on and on. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And you could go, he's got you and me brother and you and me sister. And he's got the little bitty baby and he's got the wind and the rain. And the verses could just go on and on. The, the truth was even as a little kid is trying to get us to understand everything's in God's hands. He's got it all. He controls it all. That's the hand that's not too shortened. The hand of deliverance. He says, do you honestly believe I don't have the power to deliver you? Me, God? The hand of provision. This promise to provide everything. He opens his hands and it's, and it's full of good. It's there. Everything that you need. The hand of correction. The hand that will correct you because to let you continue down that path will bring you destruction, will bring you misery. And so many times, even when God allows things, he's allowing them. It's never, ever, ever, ever for your bad. It's always for your good. The hand of invitation. Luke 18, 13, in closing, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We talked about that this morning. You know, we can't go with our prideful, haughty attitudes. But when we recognize, God, just be merciful to me, a sinner. God is the one that's saying to you this evening, come. Come. If you're lost, come to me. My hand's not so shortened that I can't save you. Christians, my children, he says, come to me. My hand's not so shortened that I can't save you. Whatever it is that you need saving from, he's saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I just want to remind you this evening, oh, you've got a God. His hand's never short. His hand, not just his physical hand, because those physical hands were nailed to a cross one day on Calvary. But I'm talking about the hand of God, the one that's there to help you, the one that is, holds the power of the universe, the hand that has done all these things that we said, that's the same hand that's there for you, that's reaching out to you right now, and it's never too short to reach you. Wherever you are, whatever you need, trust him this evening, and he'll meet that need. 